welcome to another edition of the Give Me 10 Minutes Teacher Powered Podcast. I'm excited because I have Simone Russell here with me, an eighth grade U.S. history teacher. And Simone has a unique story because she was originally an elementary school teacher and transitioned to middle school. So we're going to ask her about her experiences from the elementary school versus the middle school. So Simone, I just wanted to thank you for um, joining us on the podcast. And if you would, um, just kind of talk about, um, first of all, how did you become a teacher? Why did you want to become a teacher? I actually fell into education because I was an aftercare counselor for a really long time, after school care. And I took it as a convenient job um, while I was in college. And I really found that it was purposeful. It made me feel really fulfilled seeing how I could impact children. And I grew up with very involved parents and I liked the way that my parents shaped me. And I, when I started to do aftercare, I realized that not all children have that experience and it allowed me and empowered me and I, to be effective with them. And from aftercare, it, I changed my major during university to elementary ed at the time. And the rest is history. I'm <laughs> so <I'm> here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I started actually in uh, aftercare as well, um, working at Pembroke Lakes Elementary. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, I fell in love with it, you know, and just seeing how you're able to impact the kids, even in that little time you mm-hmm. are with them in aftercare, it really helped me to. I knew, always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but that really kind of yeah. confirmed it. Yes, yeah, so I also feel like um, more universities should actually encourage aftercare or even pull from aftercare um i guess companies or organizations because you have teachers in in the making (laughs) people who maybe if you let them know about the opportunities in teaching they would possibly decide to transition from aftercare counselor into being a teacher so i've never really understood why colleges or universities don't you know kind of field aftercare for talent yeah i agree with that Mm -hmm. and um well what would you say are the biggest um, similarities and differences um, between teaching elementary and middle school? You can start with the similarities and let us know some differences. Well, the similarities between elementary and middle school, first of all, kids are kids. They're children, regardless of what age they are or their height. The middle school students obviously are much bigger, but deep down inside, they're still children. They're still sensitive. They're still growing. They still need guidance. They still need love and affection they it's almost the same and funny enough i have a lot of my former elementary school students in my middle school class now so it's very uh, it's amazing because i get to watch their growth and their maturity and some of them have matured and changed in certain ways but still essentially they're that same kid and it's it's really a beautiful thing and i think a lot of teachers have to remember that especially at the middle school level you get kind of wrapped up in their appearance, their physical appearance, they're bigger, they act, they try to present themselves in a more adult-like manner, and uh, that's, a, that's an act, it's a front. They're still that child that was in that kindergarten class with the same issues, and um, you know you have to keep that in the back of your mind at all times. Absolutely. What would you say are the biggest... Differences? Like, yeah, the biggest difference. Like, give us like one big difference, you think. I mean, uh, their physical size. That's it. Yeah, their yeah. size. Uh-huh. Um, their hormones yeah. come into play. That's true. I, I, I wouldn't 
yeah, I would be lying if I didn't say that mm -hmm. that doesn't affect them. Their home, hormones definitely come into play. Uh, dealing with, you know, attractions to who they like. And I, I, they're very socially conscious. They're fixated with their social life. And they're also sometimes moody because they are going through puberty. Yeah. Um, so that is the biggest difference, I would say. Those are some good points. And that kind of leads me on to my next question. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about dealing with the hormones, the moodiness. Um, about how you deal with discipline, um, classroom management um, at the middle school level. Uh, what's your method to do that? And how did that differ from elementary school? Funny enough, people think I'm crazy, but I really didn't change my classroom management style much. I have, I would say, I have an unconventional uh, classroom management style. I'm very laid back. I've always been laid back. I was laid back even as an elementary teacher. And it has helped me with the middle school transition. I don't have assigned seats, unlike a lot of other teachers. I don't assign homework often. But do you think that works, not having assigned seats, not assigning homework? Oh, uh, uh, certainly, because then I use that as leverage later. Okay. So I'll try it your way. Mm -hmm. You can sit wherever you want. Oh, but you chose to sit next to your friend and you're getting no work done. So now do you see why I need to assign your seat? Now I'm going to move you. See. That's what I use it as. Maybe you can work towards sitting where you'd like again, but I use it as kind of like a, I use it as control in a different way. So I let them sit where they'd like. And then I, you know, if need be, I'll make changes. And that is now your assigned seat. Um, another thing that I do with homework, I don't assign it often. So I kind of play on that. I don't assign homework often. I'm not one of those people that bog you down. So if I'm asking you to do this homework assignment, it's obviously because it's of great importance. So it's up to you whether you want to do it and disregard me. Or, I mean, not do it and disregard me or do it and make me happy. I kind of play on that sense of I don't bother you often. Absolutely. So this one time I'm asking you to do this assignment, it's very serious. So you can either say, hey, I like her. She doesn't stress me out. She's actually a really good teacher. I learn a lot in her class. And she doesn't assign, like, busy work. So if she's asking me to do this, I should probably do it. And I honestly don't have any homework issues. I really don't. That time, maybe once a month or every other week when I do give an assignment, I have almost like a 90% turn-in rate. And if I don't get it that day, I definitely get it the next day because I said, oh, when, when I noticed that they haven't done it, I said, oh, that's what you chose to do? Okay, that's cool. I see. Clearly, you did. You wanted to disappoint me. You don't respect me in that way. You kind of play on that whole respect and community. I, 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 I like to think of my classroom as a community, Absolutely. not necessarily a classroom. That's so important. I, I'm not a dictator. Mm -hmm. I'm a member of the community. Absolutely. And... I think that's very important and it empowers them because you need to let them feel important. You need to let them feel like they have a say. Uh, even there are times when they catch me and I, for example, I might say, and this is a big thing and I see a lot of teachers don't do it and it, it almost breaks my heart because they don't understand how, uh, it's something that my parents never used to do either. Maybe they might catch me. Or I, I mean, I might catch a student. I might think a student is talking or something. I say, oh, John, stop talking. And the child might turn to me and say, oh, they were asking me a question. Or, oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't even notice it. And a lot of teachers, instead of 
kind of recoiling and being like, okay, like legitimately I made a mistake. Well, you're doing it anyways. And look, no, you make, could have possibly made a mistake too. Yeah, yeah. I remember sometimes my parents would never apologize. Yeah. Even our times like, no, you were wrong. You were honestly wrong. Yeah. So what I, I'll do is like, you know what? My bad. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm big on that. I also admit my mistakes. That's huge. That's huge. And I think, um, you know, with, with that, kind of alluded to it, but I would ask, you know, how, how, did, how did being a middle school teacher change you in terms of your teaching practice, in terms of yourself personally? I mean, do you feel like it changed you as a person? What have you learned about yourself as a result of your transition from elementary to middle and even now being a middle school teacher? I absolutely love middle school. I don't think I would return to elementary. I like the fact that you can almost impact them they're, they're 13 14 years old and they're at an age that they're very impressionable uh during elementary school their parents are who they look up to and they confide in during this age is 13 14 is when they start to break away and they kind of turn to each other for advice and that's like the blind leading the black 13 year old cannot give another 13 year old advice and they're desperate for a third party uh, an adult that they can trust sometimes they might not show it but they really are yeah and i've use that i didn't even know that i was so influential influential. yeah yeah yeah. i didn't realize how influential i was even in elementary i knew that i was there as a teacher and i facilitated learning and they liked me Mm -hmm. and i've always received a lot of love and i've always been a very well-liked teacher absolutely yeah even in elementary but here it's really impactful i can say something like a kid might say oh you're retarded to another kid and like that's actually rude like why would you do that mm-hmm. why would you call somebody out on that and it's so funny because i didn't even realize how powerful i am because then like the very next day someone another kid might say oh you're retarded and i'll hear under their breath they're not even doing it to make me happy They're like you remember she said she don't like that that's not cool yeah. don't do that yeah. think think of a different they yeah. they really listen to what i have to say Absolutely. they appreciate my input Absolutely. and i empower them a lot mm-hmm. i tell them i want to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. a lot of time adults disregard what young teens have to say and you're not your opinion is not foolish yeah. your opinion is not something to disregard you might not have a voice at your house but i would like to hear what you have to say yeah. because you're a member of society mm-hmm. you're feeling it you're going through emotions Absolutely. and i i value their input and it's helped me i think become more confident in, as a more confident communicator it's helped me to become softer mm-hmm. i'm a more caring empathetic person Absolutely. it's it's really helped me it's softened me that's great that's mm-hmm. great and i wanted to kind of bring up my last point and that was um when you talk about the students having a voice um you know here in the classroom because mm-hmm. sometimes when they go home they might not have a voice mm-hmm. um and how do you kind of balance that student accountability with the parent accountability being that in middle school, they do have to take more responsibility for the things that they're responsible for, of course. But then, yes, their parents do still have that accountability too because you have to hold their parents accountable. Mm-hmm. So how do you hold the students accountable versus holding the parents accountable? Um, well, there's a lot less less parent accountability in yeah. middle school mm-hmm. um, because they're like 14 years old. Yeah. Uh, in elementary school, when I taught fourth grade, if a child did not turn in their science project and I had been sending alerts and emails leading up to this part of that is the parents fault you're not checking my emails you're not keeping up with the due dates maybe you didn't take the child out to purchase adequate supplies those things it falls more heavily on the parent in middle school I 
I communicate a lot with the parents behind the scenes. I send a lot of emails, but in my emails, I include students and parents. I CC both. So I let the students know like, hey, your parent is aware of what's going on. I keep them in the loop that way. But I focus more on student accountability. It's their job. Yeah, I said, you don't, I tell them all the time, you don't have a job. You don't work after school. You don't go anywhere else. Some of you might do a sport or have like a being club. Uh, yeah, club or like a play an instrument. But you, this is your job. School is your your job right now. So if I was to not show up or do something incorrect, the principal would fire me. If I was to forget a major thing, like putting in your grades for your report cards, you would think that I'm not a good teacher. I would possibly lose my job. So why is it that you think it's okay to not do the things that are required for your job? School is your job right now. And a lot of things, another sorry, another thing that I play on is that I don't give homework often. Yeah. So when I finally do give this assignment, I stress the importance of it. I let them know that this is something that I'm asking you more like a favor. This is not a assignment that I'm kind of delegating and telling you you have to do. This is not busy work. Uh, I make my classroom very open and I explain how everything kind of, every assignment kind of fills in that jigsaw puzzle to where we're going to. So I explain to them why this assignment is important, why I need them to get it done. And I let them know, if you don't finish this, I take it as a personal sign of disrespect because I'm someone who doesn't stress you out. I don't bog you down with assignments. And I ask you to do this this one time. And if you don't have the respect to simply get that done for me, then it's a clear sign of how you feel about me. You see your passion and you see, and, and you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing with me today because your passion is evident. Like Thank I said, you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the end of every podcast, what I'm t- telling every teacher that, you know, your voice has power. And, you know, whoever's listening to it, be it new teachers, you know, I know that they will learn from this. <laughs> and I know that there's something that they can, you know, from what they heard um, that you said today that will definitely influence their practice. So I thank you so much for joining me on the Give Me 10 Minutes no, podcast. I thank you for even reaching out to me. That's important to me. I really hope for more young teachers. I hope that teaching becomes a profession that people want to go into. And it can be something that is fulfilling. I think a lot of people maybe might get frustrated and, you know, you hear a lot of the negatives, but it's a really rewarding and beautiful career if you approach it the right way. And it can you can definitely have longevity in it. So I hope that my words were impactful. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much.